Well, as the events of the last few days have unfolded, as the tributes to the late Queen have come in from around the world, we have really stood on the end of one era and at the start of another. And I think death, we can never prepare for it, can we? It always comes as a shock. And I think it's right and appropriate that this morning we just spend a few moments reflecting, pausing, and remembering the life of the Queen and the faith that she had. A lady who had so much influence, not just in our nation, but across the Commonwealth and indeed across the world. Now this morning, as we spend some moments in Romans 8, we, like so many across the world, are just pausing. This was not the original plan of what we were going to do this morning, but I just felt it was appropriate to look at something a little bit different and just give that space for reflection. I know many of us will have been deeply saddened by the events of the last few days, but we do now stand on the dawn of a new era. We have a new king, Charles III, and scripture tells us it's right and appropriate to be praying for him and also to be praying for our new prime minister, both who started their roles this week. Reigning for 70 years is quite an achievement, isn't it? And I've loved listening to some of the various tributes that have come in from people. We've heard about the Queen as a woman with sharp wit. She was the master of the one-liners. You know, just being able to say the right thing at the right time. A lady with a twinkle in her eye, a supremely competent diplomat on the world stage. We've heard profound stories. We've heard silly stories that have made us laugh. We've watched again clips of James Bond with the Queen and more recently of Paddington Bear. But two things have stuck with me over the last few days. And the first one, it was a BBC presenter who said, above all, the Queen was a lady of deep humility who trusted God and served him. That was at the heart of who she was. But secondly, and this is where I want us to focus this morning, she was a constant presence in a world that changed about her. 70 years. Many of us in this room will have never remembered another head of state. All the changes, if you think over our own lifetimes, things that have just transformed beyond recognition, and yet she has been the constant. And I was talking to somebody the other day about her Christmas messages and how as the years went on, the bit that was about other things got shorter and shorter and the bit that was about Jesus got longer and longer. And she poured more and more of herself into sharing about her own faith. And I think whenever anybody significant passes, it's a really important question to ask ourselves is how will I be remembered? What will I be remembered for? Will I be remembered as a person of deep faith in Jesus? Will I, as we were looking at a few weeks ago, leave pleasant memories behind? Will I leave the fragrance of Jesus? Or will I be remembered for something else? So this morning, I want to look at that theme of constancy, of reliability. But not of the Queen, but of God. The one who underpinned so much of what she did. So as we dive into Romans 8 just briefly this morning, there are so many things we could say about Romans 8. But the first thing I want to say about this is God is 100% reliable. He does not change. He does not contradict himself. He doesn't make mistakes. He is always the same, and he always will be the same. Look at what was said about the Lord as he passed in front of Moses back in the book of Exodus. The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands, and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. The reliability of God. He is still the same as God who passed in front of Moses. None of his characteristics have changed. 
Now, Romans 8 is a really key passage in the New Testament. If you know anything about the book of Romans, the book of Romans is often quoted as being Paul's greatest letter. It's the letter that he unpacks the gospel in really intricate terms. And Romans 8 is almost like the pinnacle. It's like the crescendo of this great letter. If you were to read through the book of Romans, you'd find in Romans 1 that what he talks about is how the human condition has, has gone wrong, how we're all, we're, we're all under, we all live in sin, we're under the wrath of God. And he then goes on through the book telling us about how we should respond to God in faith, how that it's faith through grace that saves us, And then in chapter 6, he says um, in verse 23, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. He calls us to be bound to Christ. He calls us to respond to him. Now, reliability is one of those things. You don't really notice it until it's gone, do you? You know, I have a car that I've had for four and a half years, and so far it has been reliable. But I don't really think about that. I don't go around and make it a number one topic of conversation because I just take it for granted. My car is going to get me where I want to go. My washing machine is also reliable. I've had it for seven years, and to date, it has always worked. I don't go around, you'll be glad to know, talking about my washing machine. It would not make for very interesting conversation. Um, People. We often find that some people are reliable, and it comes as a shock if somebody lets us down or if somebody is no longer there. But God, his saving power, is reliable. Look at verse 31, if you've got a Bible in front of you. If God is for us, who can be against us? Verse 32, he who did not spare his only son, but gave him up for us all. Paul is keen that we know that God is 100% reliable, 100% trustworthy, and 100% there for us at all times and in all places. The psalmist writes, the Lord is with me. I will not be afraid. Are you fearful today? Do you feel afraid? Look at that promise. That is a promise. We need not fear afraid because God is with us. And then in verse 34, who then is the one who condemns? Well, no one because of the work of Christ, because of what God has done. And then we're invited into this place, this relationship with God, where there's forgiveness, where there's freedom, where there is a new beginning, a fresh start, where sins can be forgiven, where the price is paid. But you know, sometimes it's tempting not to build our life on the rock of Jesus, but on other things. Jesus tells an incredibly famous story in Matthew 7, a story of two builders, one who tries to build a house on the sand, and one who builds the house on the rock. And um, I don't know about you, but I like sand. I like sandy beaches. Um, If you put me on a sandy beach in North Wales today with a stream to dam and for for navigation things to build, I'm in my happy place. That is the kind of thing I like. I I shouldn't really confess that as an adult, should I? But those are the things that I like doing, because beaches are great fun. But sand is not a good place to build anything if you want it to last. I'd imagine all of us, if we think back, to um, times when we were perhaps younger, we probably built these most magnificent sandcastles only to stand there in dismay as the tide comes in and washes it away. And we think, all that effort, and it was for nothing. If you want to build something and you build it on a rock, now I'm not a builder, but I understand if you build it on a rock, it's not going anywhere. If you can get the foundations of a building into a rock, it's there for good. And it just poses that question, what are our lives built on today? 
really what are they built on? Are they built on the ideas of ourselves, our own security, our own self-worth? Or are they built on the rock that is the Lord Jesus Christ? Are we rooted deeply into the reliability of God who is never changing? Second thing is about his never-failing love. There are some of the verses in Romans 8 that are just some of the most incredibly encouraging and profound verses about the love of God that have ever been written. And what Paul does is he poses a question in verse 35. Who then shall separate us from the love of Christ? And just imagine for a moment that this is almost like a courtroom session where there's a question posed and all these witnesses come forward and it's as if they're, they're called to give um, account as to whether they can separate us from the love of Christ. Look at them in verse 35. Trouble, hardship, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, or sword. A whole range of terrible things that can happen to humanity. Poverty, you know, not having enough to eat, not having shelter, being, being in, in that really difficult state. The terrors of war. Famine, you know, those natural disasters, those things that happen round and about us. Persecution. Persecution will come against Christians. It happens to Christians across the world today. And we might think that actually some of these things could separate us from God's love. They could cause our faith to unravel. They could cause us to start thinking that God's love has somehow been unproven. Now, a lot of people today will look at those things and say, well, because of suffering in the world, because there's famine, because there's war, how on earth can I believe in a God who says he's love? How on earth can I even contemplate believing in any kind of God if the world is actually like it is? But Paul has a rather bigger picture in mind in Romans 8. He has a rather larger view. If you've got a Bible there, look back at verse 22 of chapter 8, where he talks about the whole of creation groaning, longing for the restoration of all things, longing for that time when Christ returns in glory. And it's just that image that actually it's not just us who's groaning, but the whole of the world, everything that's broken, is groaning for God to become all in all. So we look at our world and we see the brokenness. We see that ongoing war in Ukraine. And hopefully we're praying. Our hearts are broken by what we see. We see the climate changing around us and we see the impact that human activity is having. We see the collective sin that humanity has been involved in since the Garden of Eden. And then we look at our own lives and we see that the failures that we bring also cause pain, pain to ourselves and pain to others. But the good news of Romans 8 is these things have been taken on by Christ, that God has stepped in, that there is an answer and we cannot now be separated from the love of God. As Jesus dies, as we turn to him in repentance and faith, we are invited to become part of God's greatest solution, the giving of his only son. And that's personal. It's a personal invitation, isn't it? The cross is a very personal thing to accept Jesus Christ as Lord. But the New Testament will tell us it's also cosmic. It's also universal. In the great Christ hymn in Colossians 1, Paul writes this, for God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. And so Paul comes to a conclusion in verse 38 to 39. The witnesses have been brought. Nothing can separate us. There is no answer from any of these things. And so we get these words. Neither death nor life, 
angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. If we were Pentecostals this morning, we'd shout a hallelujah at the end of that. Can we shout a hallelujah at the end of that verse? Let me read it to us again. Neither death nor life, angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. That's a bit more enthusiastic, isn't it? All of these things, they can't separate us from the love of God. We were journeying through the Yorkshire Dales um, a couple of weeks ago. We'd, we'd been away in Wensleydale, and if you know the Yorkshire Dales, we decided to come back the long way round. So we went up Wensleydale, um, over to Ingleton, down to Kirby Lonsdale, stopped there for lunch and had a bit of a walk. Great place, by the way, if you want a day out. Um, and then down the Loon Valley um, towards Lancaster and got the M6 and hit a queue. and sat in a queue for a very long time. But as you're going down from Kirby Lonsdale down the Loon Valley... Um, I was driving, and it, the, the scenery starts to change. You go from these pristine Dales villages that are just like picture postcard perfect to the villages start to get a little more urban looking, and you get factories, and you start to see the landscape flattening out. You can see, is it Haysham Power Station in the distance? And, you know, it's still perfectly pleasant, but it's not what it was. And I'm driving, and I keep saying to Claire, can you still see the hills in the background? And she's like, yes, they're still there. They've not gone anywhere. And I ask again, because, you know, I'm, I'm a good driver. I don't tend to drive with my head looking the other way. And we, we keep going. Now, I know that valley reasonably well. I did actually know that if we'd stopped at a place called the Crook of Loon, I don't know if anyone's ever been there, a nice bend in the River Loon, you would just stop there and you'd see this beautiful wide river and you'd see these green meadows. And as you look up the valley, there's these beautiful, pristine hills at the end of the valley. But the problem was I couldn't focus on that. My view had narrowed and I was looking at things that were not quite as exciting. You know, there is nothing that can separate us from God's love, but we can look away from it. We can get blinkered, and we can start looking at other things. We can get very narrow in our views and just look at our own problems. We can start looking at things that actually cause us to despair. We can let our eyes drift, and we can forget that actually the love of God will not leave us or abandon us if we run towards it. That song we sung about running, running towards the love of God. Are we doing that this morning? You know, God's love is constant. It's unchanging. It's unswerving. It's supremely demonstrated in Christ. But this love, we're also called, yes, to receive it. We freely receive it. We can't earn it. It's given to us as a gift through the love of God, through the work of the finished work of Christ. But we're also called to live it out. I don't know if you listened to Charles III's first address on Friday evening. Um, he said the words, he longed to serve with love and devotion. You know, it's our prayer that he will be able to do that. But if we seek to follow Christ and his way, that should be our heart as well, shouldn't it? It says in Hebrews 12 verse 2, fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. And when we do that, we can not only focus on this love of God, but we can live it out too. We can become part of God's greatest rescue. Final thing this morning is about God's future promises. You know, there aren't many physical reminders that we see in the world around us of God's promises, but there is a very specific one. And it's one that is rooted back right early into Genesis, into Genesis 9, verse 17. 
and the floodwaters from the flood that Noah had, had escaped from in the ark start to recede, and a beautiful rainbow appears in the sky. We've seen a lot of rainbows over recent days. Here was one over Windsor Castle um, just on Thursday evening. There were ones that appeared over other royal palaces. Now, from the Bible, what we can say about rainbows is they are a symbol of the promises of God. They're a symbol that God is faithful, that God is never changing, that God's covenants from that made with Abraham onwards not to destroy the earth are totally and utterly reliable. You know, of all the things that separate us, or Paul says could separate us from God, the greatest fear, I think, of every human being is death. The greatest fear is death. But even here, it cannot separate us. There is a future. There is future hope. Paul says death itself cannot separate us from God's love, and all who have trusted Christ will be with him forever. Be with him forever. If you see a rainbow over the coming days, and I think with the weather that we've had recently, there have been quite a lot of them. I've seen quite a few. Let's just remember that promise of God, that his promises are forever. Now, I don't know whether you're here today or whether you're joining with us online, and actually, all this talk of reliability of God, of of the word of God, it's great to have Asab with us this morning, sharing about the work of the Bible Society and the truth of God's word. But if you're here, and actually you don't know that kind of steadfastness of God, the constancy of God, Can I encourage you, you come and talk to me, come and talk to one of the other leaders in the church here. We'd love to talk to you more about what it means to give your life to Jesus and to have that full assurance of faith that you can have in him. But it may be you're here today and you have been a Christian for longer than the Queen reigned. And you have heard these words many, many times. Can I encourage you once again to take that reliability of God seriously, to live in his love, look at his saving power, and look forward to those amazing promises of the future. God will never change. The question is, are we rooted deeply enough in him? Let me pray for us. Yeah, Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word again this morning. We thank you that neither death nor life, angels nor powers, neither the present nor the future, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. And Lord, I want to pray that whether for the first time or whether for the thousandth time, we will just root our lives once again in your love, in your gospel, in your finished work on the cross. For Jesus' sake we ask it. Amen. Amen.